Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. How many times have you or someone in your family ordered Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash? Especially during COVID, it was a habit that seemed to be uh, now, well, now ingrained in the way many people live. But what about the drivers? Today, we bring you the true life story of a young DoorDash woman who was brutally kidnapped, sex assaulted, and then when her family tried to save her, the perp opened fire, opens fire on her family. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to this. It happened around 11 Tuesday night. A woman in her early 20s was walking up to the Residence Inn near International Plaza to make a DoorDash delivery. That's when a man approached her with a gun and demanded cash. When she couldn't produce the cash, this uh, the suspect uh, pushed that vi victim back into her vehicle. He made her drive to the Bolero Lakes Apartments on Waterford Avenue, about six and a half miles away from the hotel. Where he sexually assaulted her. Number one, first thing, never get in the car. Never get in the car. You think it's bad outside the car? It gets worse inside the car, and statistics bear that out. Uh, first of all, joining us, Dr. Jeff Kalachewski, forensic psychologist, author of Dark Sides. Dr. Jeff Kalachewski, agree or disagree? Once you're in the car, you are totally under their control. A person that's already pulled a gun on you, a person that's already threatened you, robbed you, what do you think is going to happen in the car? Nothing good. You're very likely going to be sex assaulted and then murdered. You're absolutely right, Nancy. Never get in the car. The, uh, a person like this who abducts others um, has an intent for sexual assault. That is sort of the, the first step of their crime. They get you into the car. You know, I'm thinking about it. Matthew Mangino also joining us in addition to Dr. Jeff Kalachewski. Matthew Mangino, high-profile lawyer, author of The Executioner's Toll. The crimes, arrests, trials, appeals, last meals, final words, and executions of 46 persons in the U.S. You had me at last meal, Matthew Mangino. But <laughs> I, jumping off of what Dr. Jeff has just said, once you're in the car, it's over. You might as well sign your own death warrant. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's no question that, that once you get into the vehicle, you're under the complete control uh, of the uh, perpetrator at that point. Obviously, you're faced with someone who's pointing a gun at you, who's trying to push you into the car. It, it's not easy to make that decision. Well, you know, I'm going to run. Is he going to shoot me? Um, you know, you're, you're hoping that maybe if I cooperate, uh, this person isn't going to harm me. But that's an unrealistic hope uh, because ultimately, once you're in that vehicle, um, chances are you may never get out alive. Very strong chances, Matthew Mangino. You're absolutely correct. But following up on that with me, uh, former police chief and former sheriff, also served U.S. Homeland Security Senior Advisory Board, now private investigator, at DanCorsentino.com. Dan, thank you for being with us. But when I 
hear what Matthew Mangino is saying, and I have dealt with so many victims, someone like this, that survived a kidnap and a rape and a brutal torture, they tell me that at the moment when they were forced into the car or in some cases into the car trunk, they couldn't think straight. They, they didn't realize it's an option to run. It's an option to, to fight back because, you know, you watch the movies, there's always a struggle that ensues and then the gun goes off and somebody ends up dead. So all of that is playing in the back of these victims' head when, heads when they're forced into trunks and cars. They don't realize they can try to get away. They don't have to get into the car. It will be worse once you get into the car. Absolutely. And as other two gentlemen just stated, most of these individuals, it's an unsuspecting situation. The last thing they expect is to be assaulted or attacked and they're really not aware of their surroundings. They're pretty much focused on whatever they're doing at the time. To that end, the mindset is one of being clouded and not thinking straight where they can give a uh, proactive response, whether it's fight, run, or in a sense, try and reach a point of safety. A beautiful young DoorDash delivery person. It starts with a kidnap a gun stuck in her face, and then she's forced into a car, and then matters get much, much worse. Joining me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter Alexis Terezchuk. Where did this happen? Uh, is it in a rural area uh, outside of Tampa? Is it in a suburban area? Is it in downtown Tampa? What do you know, Alexis Terezchuk? This is... A an area near the Tampa airport, so the Tampa International Airport. So, so not a rural area, not a suburban area, but by the airport, not downtown Tampa, but out by the airport. So she was making a delivery at the Residence Inn. So that's a hotel, you know, but a residence inn, people could be staying there for a lot longer. They could be people not that are just in town, you know, waiting for their flight, but that, that live there for a while. So it's a busy area, you know, travelers in and out. Tampa International Airport is one of the largest in the whole country. So it's about 11 o'clock at night. She's walking into the hotel. She's okay, wait, right there, right there, Alexis Terezchuk, walking around at 11 o'clock at night. You know what I don't like, Alexis, is when the victim is blamed. Oh, it's her fault. She was walking around at 11 o'clock at night. No, that's not correct. She was walking around at 11 o'clock at night. Not that it matters, but she was doing her job. You know, Alexis, how many times have we covered cases where, you know, let's look at Molly Tibbetts, the young university student who was out jogging, and she started her jog. It was still daylight outside, and she tried to get away from her attacker. She confronted her attacker. She ended up dead, but she has been attacked for being out jogging alone. And then there is Karina. Remember Karina, the Long Island jogger? She's attacked because she's beautiful. Um, she's wearing a jogging outfit. It seems like no matter what the woman does, it's somehow their fault. And this is the thing. She was at work. She was working. Now, whether this was the beginning of the shift, her shift, or the end of the shift, she was doing her job. She's walking to a hotel. This wasn't 
a deserted street, you know, way out in a rural area that she didn't wasn't lit. It was a hotel. Hey, you know what that reminds me of, Alexis Tereschuk? I was talking about Karina, Karina Vitrano, of course, the Long Island jogger she's been called. She has been attacked for being beautiful. Have you ever seen her picture? Well, of course you have, because we covered it together. She looks like a runway model. She's attacked for wearing um, jogging tights and a sports bra. She that somehow that's wrong. She's attacked for having earbuds in her ears, which is not safe. But somehow people seem to make it her fault that she was attacked when she was wearing earbuds, that they're the culprit, not the killer. As if Karina should have been owned only in like gray baggy sweatpants and a long baggy sweatshirt. Like as if her clothes were the reason why yes, she was at right. Jogging along with a nun, a priest and a virgin beside her, chained to them to protect her. Somehow that's what it turned into. And that's what's happening in this case. In this case, the victim who we are not naming, this young 20 something year old DoorDash woman, you think she wants to be out delivering food at 11 p.m.? I doubt that very highly, Alexis Terezchuk. She had a job to do. She's a responsible young woman in her 20s. She was doing her job. She was taking a delivery to a hotel. She A hotel. Well lit, a resident in. Exactly. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Amber O'Malley is joining us. You may not know her name yet, but you will. A forensic nurse examiner, expert on sex abuse and assault. She has testified many, many times as a nurse expert witness on the stand. Nurse O'Malley, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, have you noticed with all of the women that you have helped as being a um, rape kit nurse and a sex assault expert, they feel like it was their fault, the victims? I see this every day, and there's a lot of victim blaming, and then there's a lot of self-guilt and self-shame. And unfortunately, this causes women to delay the reporting. Um, in some cases, they, they choose not to report to law enforcement because of the overarching um, shame and humiliation. Going through that legal process can be very difficult for them. Um, and they just, they don't want uh, to have to tell people what happened. They have to, you know, repeat their, their assault uh, story multiple times. It's just easier to go to bed and sleep it off and pretend like it never happened, which is actually very psychologically damaging in the long run. Legal nurse expert witness Amber O'Malley, I want to tell you about a case that I helped with. In this case, um, the chief victim was a kinder pre-K teacher Julie Love. She went jogging. She was abducted. She was never seen again. The case went cold. It was many, many, many months later um, that some of her remains, including a glass eye, most people didn't even know she had a glass eye. She was a very young woman, was found near a dumpster, and that unfolded a chain of events that led to the capture of Emmanuel Hammonds. Long story short, as it turned out, he had many, many rape and aggravated assault victims. And I remember one woman in her culture, it was a dishonor to have been raped. 
she was kidnapped at gunpoint, beaten brutally, thrown in a trunk, and then raped some more. It's a miracle that she lived. She never told her family. She never told her husband because in her culture, again, that was a shame for her, a personal shame. And I remember sitting in the courtroom and she took the stand. I was wondering, she's under oath, if she would, under oath, tell the jury that she was raped. Her husband was in the courtroom. She never told the part about the rape. Never. I mean, I knew because I knew there was DNA matching back up to Emmanuel Hammonds. I knew she made a, an ID of him. But, of course, the defense didn't ask about it because they didn't want the jury to know he also raped her. So no one ever knew. It's that ingrained in people, Amber, uh, in women, that it's somehow your fault. Yes, I think we've come a long way uh, from an awareness perspective and sort of stomping out that taboo of what sexual assault is. Uh, you know, you've had the Me Too movement and things, things like things of that nature that have helped, but it's, it's, it's just something we really are still working on. Uh, and my personal work um, as a nurse, when I'm able to sit down with a woman who has been sexually assaulted, I'm able to, I'm able to really uh, communicate with her, uh, uh, you know, to take away that shame and guilt in order to get her to make a, a, an informed decision to make a report or to get some counseling or to, you know, let me perform a medical forensic exam. Hold on, right there. Amber O'Malley, you of all people, kind of airbrushed over a, a, a forensic exam. What that is, is a pelvic exam where you have your vagina and your rectum, your anal cavity completely swabbed, looking for DNA, sperm, anything that can be found to connect back to a defendant. Your pubic hair is combed. Uh, to see if there's any pubic hair from the defendant there or any other trace evidence. It ain't pretty. Nobody wants to do that. I mean, many women risk a non-diagnosis rather than go get a pelvic exam. Hey, you know, Amber, when I just recall this happening recently was with Eliza Fletcher. Remember that beautiful young mom, I think of either two or three children, uh, in Memphis, she would go jogging really early in the morning at like four o'clock so she could get back in time to take a shower and give her children breakfast and then go to teach. She was assailed like nobody's business. She's dead, but yet people couldn't help themselves attacking her. Why is she running at four o'clock? Well, because she started day starts with children at 6 a.m., I, I, I was so infuriated that somehow it became about her jogging at 4 a.m. as opposed to the repeat offender that murdered her. So it's still ongoing. And I'm so grateful you talk to sex assault victims, rape victims, sodomy victims, and explain to them this has nothing to do with anything you did or wore or how you looked or where you were. I mean, obviously, though, uh, Dan Corsentino, former police chief and sheriff, we know that crimes on women happen at certain times of the day or night and in certain locations. So it behooves people to avoid those times and locations. That said, it is so not the victim's fault in this case. Well, absolutely. Rarely, if any time, is it the victim's fault. 
fault. You were just hearing from our friends at Fox 13. Now, take a listen to Sergeant Andrea Hughes from Tampa PD. We are currently investigating, actively investigating a uh, kidnapping and sexual battery that occurred on Tuesday evening around 11 p.m. Um, uh, around 11 p.m., our victim, a female in her early 20s, was delivering her DoorDash to the residence inn off a of Boy Scout when an uh, unknown male took, a, took the time to approach her as a crime of opportunity and pointed a gun into her interface. When she couldn't produce the cash, the suspect pushed that vi victim back into her vehicle and forced her to the Belair apartment complexes where she was, uh, where he sexually assaulted her. Now I've noticed that it's very difficult for some people to say rape or sodomize. Kind of airbrush over that by saying assault or sex assault. So he took her from one location to another. And I want to follow up with you uh, again, Dr. Jeff Kalachewski, forensic psychologist. I see that very often the rape or the sex assault, the sodomy does not take place at the point of the kidnapping. Why is that? There are many reasons why. Right. And one of the things I was said earlier about this is a crime of opportunity. Um, that, that sort of uh, has uh, that rings true in my mind. You know, likely what this scenario was if this started out to be a robbery. And then if this person, um, you know, is a predator, um, he sees another opportunity and he sees an opportunity for an abduction. And then he moves this along to take advantage of this opportunity to actually rape the person. So a lot of times these predator types, initially um, their plan of what crime they're trying to pull off uh, changes. And again, it becomes an opportunity. Now I can commit a more heinous crime and I'll take advantage of that opportunity. You know what? Um, it's really interesting that you said that, Dr. Jeff, because in my notes, I have written rob and rape. Why? Because um, I'm thinking this through and anybody on the panel, please jump in. You don't have to be a renowned psychologist like Dr. Jeff to have an opinion. You all have been in the system and you've never been accused of being shy. So I think it goes to, and again, I'm just a JD, not a shrink, not an MD, but it's a power and control and cruelty factor. So... You go up to the woman who is unarmed, you're armed, beat her, put a gun in her face, and rob and rape. And you know a DoorDash driver is not going to have a lot of money. So what is it really all about? What about it, Dr. Jeff? What's it about? It's not about sex. We know that. Because a guy can get sex with a girlfriend, a wife, a Somebody you pick up at a bar, a hooker for Pete's sake. So it's not about the sex. Rape and robbery together. What is that? Well, this struck me when I went through the case. And I, at first I started to think, how much hatred does this guy have that he's going to do this? But it sort of moved on for me. And I think we're really talking about a case here of just sort of abject evil. Starts out as a robbery and then moves on to a kidnapping and then on to a sexual assault. Guys, take a listen now to our friends at Fox 13. The DoorDash driver had her AirPods in and was talking to her friend when she was first approached by that suspect. So the friend and then eventually family members started tracking her location when they realized a crime was happening. 
and they called 911. This incident uh, appears to be a crime of opportunity. Tampa police need your help as they investigate a kidnapping and sexual assault involving a DoorDash delivery driver. At this point, this, this subject is very dangerous. Uh, this is a very heinous crime. And more from our friends at 10 Tampa Bay. This is a composite sketch of a man who kidnapped a DoorDash driver from the residence inn on Boy Scout Boulevard, forced her to drive to Ballara Lake's apartments, then sexually assaulted her. This appears to be just the crime of opportunity. The suspect was at the hotel at the same time the victim was delivering her food. Within hours of the kidnapping and sexual assault, another concerning crime in the same apartment complex. Police say this man was caught robbing a woman, punching her, and stealing her backpack. Tampa police aren't saying if the two crimes are connected, but they are searching for the man in this sketch and in this video. If you happen to know that man in the sketch or in the video, contact Tampa police immediately. Number one, why do people say it's just a crime of opportunity? Just? The woman is kidnapped, brutally raped, beaten. She's near death. Her family tries to come save her by tracking her iPhone. And the perp opens fire on them with a gun. Why is that? Uh, Dan Corsentino. Well, so Na Nancy. Jump in, please. Yeah, so Nancy, I mean, you know, I'm wondering the same thing. You know, this idea of a crime of opportunity. Certainly the, the object, this young woman, uh, just happened to be in a bad place at, at the wrong time. This is a guy out with a gun. He's walking around. He's looking. He's like a wolf, Matthew Mangino. Yeah. Searching right. for so, prey. He's like the hyena at the watering hole in the savannah waiting for the gazelle to come up. Joining me right now, Lee Newbecker, CISSP, digital forensics expert, president and CEO of Enigma Forensics. You can find him at LeeNewbecker.com. Lee, thank you for being with us. Another interesting facet of this is that her fan, she's on the phone. She has a sixth sense, which I'll circle back to everybody on, on that. She has a sixth sense, so she's on the phone with her family while she's making this delivery. How many of us women have done that? I have. I've called my 92-year-old mother when I'm out and about. Last time I remember doing it, I was at the um, double murder trial of Alex Murdoch. And we had been in court or an, an on air since six that morning. And by now it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I decided to go for a walk. Okay. And do, and I talked to my mom almost the whole time, like my 92 year old mom is going to help me. But in, it's, it's a feeling, it's an intuition. And this young woman did the same thing. And because she did that, Lee Newbecker, digital forensics expert, because of that one thing, keeping her phone on during this ordeal, it helped lead cops and family to where she was. How does it work, Lee? Basically, the, I, she had two devices on her. She had the, the earbuds, that, which can be tracked online. Uh, she was sharing her location with her girlfriend, and her family also had her phone location. So she was talking to a friend, so when something happened, the friend knew and was able to alert the parents and help get her assistance. So she was very smart to 
be on the phone when she was entering a questionable area. Lee Niebecker with me, the CEO of Enigma Forensics, Inc. And he has a, he's an info security blogger at LeeNewbecker.com. It's an incredible blog, by the way. You just said something that a lot of people don't know, that earbuds are trackable as well. Explain. Yeah, well, basically, you choose to share your location with trusted family members, your spouse, whatever, and it helps provide some measure of safety because if you're not answering your phone, they can at least, while it's active, know you know where you are presently or where you last were at. So um, it's a good thing. It can also be used, you know, this technology can be used for good and for bad, unfortunately. Well, you're right about that, uh, Lee Newbecker. So FYI, everybody, when you're using your earbuds, obviously they are connected into a device. They don't get uh, the news or podcasts or whatever you're listening to or music on their own. They're connected to a device and therefore, like your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, they also can be traced. And we're seeing it more and more, Lee Newbecker. We're seeing more and more cases cracked or at least advanced because of tracking by earbuds, by cell phones, by uh, fitness watches. Agree or disagree, Lee? Oh, agree. Some people even have their tags. They have tags you can buy and someone put one in their luggage. Uh, thieves stole their luggage from the airport, but they were able to track the track down and arrest the person who stole the luggage because they had air tags inside the, their luggage. So the family now is trying to find this young woman. And Alexis Tereshek, I find it amazing that she had the wherewithal to keep her phone turned on. And you know where we saw that in Delphi, the case of two gorgeous little girls, Liberty and Abigail, Libby and Abby, who keep their phone on, one of them keeps their cell phone on in her pocket. And therefore, we hear the killer say, down the hill, down the hill. And they loop it for people to hear that voice. And they take a picture of who we believe to be the perp approaching them. The wherewithal this victim had to keep her cell phone on is amazing. So there's that. And there's the intuition, Alexis Terezchuk, that even these two little girls knew something was wrong. They didn't know what they knew, but they knew something was wrong and they recorded it. This DoorDash delivery woman had a feeling, and she kept her phone on. What about that, Alexis Dreschuk? Well, this is exactly, so she is walking into work, dropping off a delivery. She is on her phone. This man approaches her, scares her. This, this doesn't appear that this was her delivery person, or this is not the person that she had was going to deliver food to. Stops her, startles her. So she's, she is on the phone at this time with her fam, with her girlfriend. And then this man says, give me cash. He has a gun. She tells him, I don't have any money. I can't do anything. So the person listening in knows immediately that something is wrong. You don't have any cash? I'm going to get something out of this. In other words, I'm going to rape you. Exactly. A, a full threat. And so this family hears this. They are so panicked. They call the police. Can you imagine, Alexis, now that you have your baby boy, if you heard that going on in the back of his cell phone? He does have a cell phone, right? No, he's, he's a little too young still. Yeah, you're right. He's too young. And I ended up, as you know, the story, 
after the twins did not report back in every 20 minutes at a high school football game they were watching, I immediately got him a cell phone two years too early, which has been a blessing and a curse. Um, that said, that tuition Alexis Tereshchuk is talking about kicks in. She leaves the cell phone on, but it's a double-edged sword because this family ends up getting fired on, which leads me to another point. Dan Corsentino, former police chief and sheriff, you don't have any money, so he rapes her. Are you surprised at all? He has committed another crime on another woman and the same radius, throwing the woman down by her backpack, beating her and stealing from her. You surprised he's like a wild animal on the loose. Well, it all started, as we said, with his intent. And his intent was to commit a crime that evolved into a victimization of this young lady that was a DoorDash. And when he wasn't satisfied, he did not reach a point of self-satisfaction. He proceeded onward and he wanted to find another victim. And to that end, he did find another victim and another crime committed, another violent crime. And that is another issue. Uh Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Amber O'Malley joining us, forensic nurse examiner and expert on sex abuse. The second victim was grabbed by her backpack and thrown on the ground, which is really easy to uh, disengage someone. I mean, they, they're helpless when they're grabbed by their backpack because they can't fight back. And if you think about it, same MO, the DoorDash delivery lady in her early 20s, 11 o'clock, she's got her hands full at the time with the food at the time she's attacked. So we're seeing a common theme where you become disabled because of what you're carrying or what's attached to your body. I mean, I finally got an Amber O'Malley. When I would go uh, trekking through housing projects to find witnesses and defendants and served subpoenas, I was hands-free. Had nothing in my hands at all, ready to fight back or make a run for it. Yes, it certainly leaves a person vulnerable when they don't have that, that physical capacity to um, protect themselves. Definitely see that. Then you have a third felony, another violent crime. This guy is a one-man crime wave. Take a listen to our friends, Fox 13. Little did Killens know that her family was actually tracking her on her phone. So they followed it to Ballara Lakes, where, she, where there was a confrontation. That's when things got really crazy and pretty scary. A relative of the young woman's friend was hit by a bullet. A few hours later, Killens is accused of stealing the woman's backpack. As of now, we are asking the community to look around for video and we're asking the community's help in identifying the suspect. We ask that you look at this composite, see if you identify this, can identify this suspect and have any additional information that you can provide to law enforcement. Let's hear more of Sergeant Andrew Hughes. 
They were able to track her to this apartment. At that point, police say the suspect fired multiple times and struck a family member of the victim's friend. He is armed and dangerous. Police released this composite sketch of the suspect. He's described as approximately six foot two and is in his late 20s, early 30s. We have detectives within the special victims unit uh, working diligently, um, locating video to get him off the street so this doesn't occur to somebody else. You are hearing the police begging, begging for help. What can you do? This woman has a gun shoved in her face. She's forced in a car, taken to a, taken to a remote location, and brutally raped, beaten. But that wasn't enough. This guy then, after raping her, attacks another woman, grabbing her by her backpack and beating her in the face savagely, then opens fire on the rape victim's family actually hitting them. Take a listen to our Cut 12 WFLA. Trust in what you see, trust in what you feel. Uh, that little bit of money that you're going to make from that transaction isn't worth your life. Self-defense coach Brian Anderson Needham said if things seem bad, get out as fast as you can. If you need to fight, be effective, not flashy. These statistics drastically change uh, for survival when you get transferred or you get transported or taken from one point to the next. Police also linked Killens to a robbery early Wednesday morning. They said Killens threw a different woman to the ground, then punched her and stole her backpack. Killens is now facing multiple charges, including armed sexual battery, armed kidnapping, and robbery with a firearm. And police did clarify it appears Killens did not order the original DoorDash food that was coming. They said that it appears this was a crime of opportunity. Yes, he's facing all those charges whenever he can be apprehended. Of course, this is not the first time that a female delivery person has been attacked and murdered. Does the name Ryan Muncie ring a bell to you? Because it does to me. Her case has stuck with me since I first investigated it. Take a listen to our Cut 16, our friends at NBC5. Wife and mother of three small children, Ryan Grammonzi was working her Uber Eats delivery job Saturday night when she was murdered, found in the breezeway of the Northern Cross Apartments in Haltom City. I believe she was delivering food to somebody in that building. The 31-year-old did not make it to the customer's door before she was killed. A motive isn't being made public. Almost exactly a month before Munzee's murder, another delivery driver was shot dead. This time in West Dallas, an independent contractor delivering packages for Amazon, according to family. Dallas police were called to the 2400 block of Leith Street on December 23rd and found Allen shot and killed. A motive is not yet known. Killer is also on the loose. Matthew Mangino joining us, high profile lawyer and former prosecutor. Matthew Mangino, these cases are sometimes very hard to prosecute because you can't find the defendant. You can't find the suspect. Here, the guy didn't order the pizza. Um, he didn't order the DoorDash order. He didn't live there. He was skulking, looking for a victim. So that makes it more difficult to find the defendant. It does, Nancy, but I'll tell you, if I was leading this investigation, it would be a number one priority to find this person. I mean, you don't wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to rob and rape and, and assault women and get involved in a shootout. You're a dangerous person. 
you've done this in the past and you're going to do it in the future. So this has to be priority one to find this guy and to get him off the street as quickly as possible. There is pandemonium in the community with one attack after the next, after the next on women. It's a manhunt. But take a listen to our friends at Fox 13. This is Ken Suarez. It seems like these charges just keep on piling up and piling up. A couple hours from now, he is going to appear before a judge for the first time for two separate and very stunning crimes. Now, Joseph Killens was arrested on Friday night. Since that arrest, we learned that he's also charged with an attack on another woman that also happened at the Ballora Lakes Apartments. Police say that he pushed that woman in her 40s down and stole her backpack early Wednesday morning. That's the same location where hours earlier, he ended up after committing a series of other crimes. He's accused of trying to hold up a 20-year-old woman working for DoorDash. She was making a delivery at a hotel near International Plaza last Tuesday night. Police say that he ended up pushing her into the back of her car, taking off and eventually sexually assaulting her all at gunpoint. Alexis Tereschuk, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. How do cops finally apprehend him? The second woman that was attacked, that she was hit from behind, her, her, he was tried to steal her backpack. This is at the same apartment complex where the woman was raped. They get security footage of this man, and then they are able to identify him, and then they are able to go and arrest him. You know, what's really interesting to Lee Newbecker joining us, President CEO of Enigma Forensics, this was not his first arrest. Explain, Lee. A long time ago, back in 2009, he was charged with attacking and assaulting a police officer. So that was his first felony. But then more recently, uh, there's another three cases that have been filed against him. On, on the 22nd, April 22nd, he had two cases filed against him, and they released him on home monitoring. And then he went out and he struck again. So we really have to ask, what, why aren't we putting violent criminals and locking them up and, and instead letting them out on the street? Someone's going to attack a police officer and then they sexually assault someone. That's someone that should be locked up in jail, not released. Lee Newbecker, you could not be more correct. So this guy that is caught on camera in one of these attacks on women who brutally rapes and beats savagely another woman, a 20-year-old DoorDash delivery lady, then opens fire on her family with a gun, striking one of them. He has a history. Lee Newbecker is enlightening us. He uh, attacked a cop and then had more crimes on women, and they put him on home monitoring. Now he's out loose, wandering around, and finds another string of victims. Alexis Tereschuk, he's due in court. What's happening? The arraignment? It is an arraignment. Well, he has asked the judge to release him on bond. And the thing that is, the judge had said she's going to make a decision in another day. But she laid out a lot of rules for him if he is to be released. And they were not, don't commit any more crimes, follow the law. They were, do not contact this victim and do not contact this victim's family. Why are they even putting conditions? Why are they even toying with the idea of letting this guy who has such a long history of attacking women, why would they even consider letting him out? Why don't they just make a, a condition? Now you be a good boy, okay? And don't run off and rape another woman. 
Okay, we wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend.